Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of Everything is Personal. I have a very special guest with us, Ms. Kate Ekman, who is a leadership and development coach, but so much more, which I'm not going to get into a whole bio, but one of the things, well, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. It's ha- I'm happy to be here. It's a joy. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, there's so much, like, I, I try to dive into your content a little bit, and there's so much of it, and it's, and it's everywhere. So I want to kind of go through the process of Kate's own development. So let's start with where you grew up. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. So smack dab in the the Midwest, a great place to grow up. Um, I was there where Jerry Springer was our mayor and then our lead news anchor on NBC. And we had the Jerry Springer commentary every night. So I knew him in a much different light before he became the Jerry Springer uh, known worldwide. Um, But I think the takeaway from that is that he's a very brilliant person. And I I like the idea that we can reinvent ourselves. I like the idea that I think it is important to have um, passion and intelligence and to know your craft. Um, Now there's all the creators and influencers. But what I love about Jerry was that because he is intelligent, whether you like him or not, he was able to take a a very different career and turn it into something else. And I think we never know where we're going to get that ding, 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 whether you're after a fame or connection or abundance or um, 
<laughs> infamy, <laughs> whatever it is you're after, um, you, you can, you can get there. But I think, um, when we're being our authentic selves. So don't know why I went on that tangent. I feel like someone needs to, uh, to hear that or receive that. Um, but that's a little bit about uh, what I love was Jerry like growing Springer. up in Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Springer. No, I used to, so I have, uh, we have a family, uh, I think they're still there in Dayton, Ohio and Cleveland. So we used to go to Cle- Dayton. Uh, that's, that's a whole interesting thing, but there used to be an air show there that we used to go to all the time and see. And, 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 and I, I just remember everybody was wearing a lot of flannel uh, shirts back then. <laughs> I remember, but there, there was a, so when I was at the air show last uh, as, as a kid, uh, maybe I wasn't that, that young, but, um, there was a vote in a tent for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I had no idea what I was voting for. And I voted for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which ended up being in Cleveland. But I didn't realize that I was voting against my home city of Philadelphia when I voted. So it was, I think it was one by one vote. And maybe that was me. No, I'm just kidding. It was one vote. But that was my experience. <laughs> uh, but Jerry Springer, I mean, uh, it's one a, one a great uh, person to bring up. It sort of segues me to my next question is about childhood because I I I did dig a little bit deeper into Jerry's childhood uh, being you know uh, a son of uh, immigrants and uh, and uh, background of there was uh, Holocaust survivors etc cetera, etc cetera. and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of things in his childhood that I found very fascinating and, and interesting and maybe create some resilience in an individual who has to go and have you know, some things happen. We're not going to get into Jerry's uh, background of uh, writing some checks for some nefarious uh, activities, but you know, we all have uh, skeletons or cause, but I think the way that you're brought up uh, really helps you to overcome these, whether you have a good relationship with your parents or not. So uh, what type of childhood did you have? I had a great childhood. Um, you know, there was no white picket fence, but my parents are still married uh, 55 years later and happily married, I will add. So I had uh, that dynamic. I think that the good news and the other news about that is you get to see, you know, um, a, a happy couple and people that are committed. I think it's also... Um, it's interesting because I've, I've never been married. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I think that... What I love about growing up with that, and you know, my mom was a, gave up her career and was a stay-at-home mom, and then I'm a bona fide career person. So I think then there's a lot of people who have the hardcore career mother figure who want more of the stay-at-home mom vibe. So I, I think it's I think too, you can look back at your childhood and say, oh, I had a great childhood. And I think if you're willing to sit and explore that deeper, and if you're willing to put in the inner work and heal your inner child and grow, you will see the things about your childhood. Yeah, yeah they were great. I had I had a home, I had food, I had um, clothing, I had all of those things in terms of, of financial and physical securities. But um, I've explored deeper and it's no shade against my parents. They're great people. But for me, what I've discovered is um, my parents, I think, are a bit emotionally unavailable. And so it's then how that shaped and affected me and the men I chose, the men that I allowed to choose me. And um, there's been a lot of healing in that category. So I invite anyone who's hearing this to um, take a deep dive into how their childhood, maybe you already know, maybe it's pretty clear how it affected you. But then the next step is to be like, okay, we all have childhood wounds. Nothing is perfect. And, and really take the time to explore how your childhood has impacted you as an adult. And I've been doing that a lot recently because I think as we go about our life and we, 
you know, get into relationships with certain types of people or um, have certain things happen, I say for us, not to us, um, you start to see how, you know, the intricacies of your childhood development have led you to that path and it's an opportunity to heal. And so if you are able to embrace that, all of these people are teaching, these people are teachers and that all of these things are happening so that you can heal that child who didn't get something yeah. that you needed. Um, then you could, whatever happened to you in childhood, you could say, you know what? It was great because it led me to be this person or these things happened. And so I was able to see, um, you know, the, the contrast, if you will, between maybe love that wasn't provided that I needed. And then, um, when you do get that from whomever you see what a, what a gift and blessing that truly is. Uh, do you have any siblings? I do. I have one uh, older brother. We're just 18 months apart. And my parents tried for eight years to have children and wasn't happening. So we're miracle babies. As my mother would say, I think we're all miracle babies, but, um, yeah, I love, I love my brother. I'm very grateful for that, so, that sibling. So I'm curious about, I'm an only child. I don't have any, and, and you, you, you kind of brought up a really interesting, like the way that you were brought up and seeing a great relationship and then, but still being emotionally unavailable. Maybe that was generational too. I don't know. My, my parents aren't really emotionally available either. Who knows? But does your brother have a different relationship? Is he married? Does he have a family? Is he, does he, does he see his upbringing different than you did, even though you were in the same household with the same parents? Was it different? That's a question you'd have to ask him. He is married with, with kids. I think, um, my sister-in-law, I don't know why we're even talking about this. My <laughs> sister-in-law pointed it out recently because I was on vacation with them, um, that my parents, my mother in particular, treat my brother and me very differently. So I think that's also something to look at is, you know, siblings, did you have the same experience growing up? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and this happens, we see this all the time. Siblings are treated differently. People in an organization are treated differently mm-hmm. within families. And so we all have our unique experiences. And I think perhaps that's the message that's coming out of this question is, I think it's easy to look around and all these people are like, or even a concert, oh my God, it was the best concert ever. And you're like, oh yeah, it was great. But then you think, you know, I really didn't like that. So I think it's, to always explore for me, curiosity is is such a major uh, component and gateway to transformation and growth. And so I think just being curious and asking the questions, but it's also not to get in that comparison trap. Well, oh, it, I, I something I've realized recently is um, how much I gaslight myself or how much I used to do that. Um, and we get so mad when narcissists or people with personality disorders, for instance, gaslight us. Um, but then I, I think we we gaslight ourselves so much where it's like, oh, I'm the problem or um, I did something wrong when really, if you look a bit closer, I think it's good to take responsibility. But if you look a bit closer, you see um, where you were mistreated and to have mm-hmm. compassion for those people, but also have compassion for yourself for how you may have reacted or, or, or maybe suppressed or numbed those feelings because it was uncomfortable. So- it's a great point and a and really good lesson for, for people about that that negative self-talk that, that always is in our head. I mean, you have such a vast uh, background from being an athlete to uh, being a broadcaster to modeling and all that stuff. I want you to kind of take us through that journey a little bit. And really, I'm curious how you discover your own, as you put it, special sauce basically like all these experiences went from 
one to another, and maybe there was a, a similarity and in, in a progress. So maybe you can walk us through that journey a little bit. Yeah, I think I think we're always if if now I've been in a place of deep reflection because I just I'm coming off a really really challenging year, which my coach helped me realize and and said. And I believed her when when she said it, even though I was in the the thick of of healing and in a lot of pain. Um, you know, she said, "This may be the worst thing that's ever happened to you, but it's also the best thing." And so, um, you know, without getting into all of the details of my journey to bore people, um, I think the journey has been about self discovery. I think all of our journeys are about that if we're we're willing for that to be the case, and that our lives are so much deeper than our resumes and our timelines. And it's like I went to school and then I got married and I had a kid or I had this career. I was an athlete, became a broadcaster, and became an author and a coach. I really think that it is about, you know, it's so interesting you asked about childhood. I'm like, why does anyone care about my childhood? Um, but we talk about these things because, you know, when you're listening, you can make meaning from your own childhood or hopefully something that is said will spark some sort of aha or healing or reflection on on your end. But I think the journey has been about, you know, ultimately healing those childhood wounds because until you heal, until you come to terms with, you know, what you've been through, you keep attracting partners, whether it's business, friendship, love that are going to bring up all your stuff, if you will. And so when you start to get clear on that's what's happening. Um, and then for me, just paying particular attention to your unique gifts, skills, values. And for me, when I talk about my special sauce, it was my swim coach at Penn State that spoke about my infectious enthusiasm. And I think it's good to really focus on the things that make us us, because then you, again, you don't get into the self-doubt, the comparison. You think, okay, maybe that person is prettier, smarter, wealthier, more talented at singing and dancing, but really no one can match my the enthusiasm that I right. choose to bring to the room. And that's what the full spirit is. I, I wrote the book, The Full Spirit Workout. And it really is about bringing your full spirit um, to everything you do and to everyone you meet to show up like you mean it. And that for me puts me already ahead of people who could be way more talented than me is because I see a lot of those people. And I think because some people are so talented they kind of show up like, oh, I don't have to try that hard. And that's why you see Taylor Swift right now with the world domination because she has the talent, but that woman works harder than anybody and she's so authentic and vulnerable and is able to speak about feelings. So um, the point of all this, I feel like I'm just like giving a, a massive just not all over the place, but I'm, you ask these questions and I, I'm in such a place of, of deep reflection and healing right now and transformation that I want that for everybody because it, it can be very painful and lonely, but it's so juicy. And so many people are, I think, scared to go there because it's going to bring up a lot of your, your stuff, but then you find all, all the gifts and then you become unstoppable and untouchable. And then you don't have to try so hard. You just naturally attract your desires, your goals, the people, the relationships, the experiences. And, and that's what I want for everybody. Yeah. I, you know, and, and I appreciate you sharing that because I, I think if I can kind of unpack a little bit of what you said, I think you go through life and that's why I keep bringing up the, the way you were brought up because I, I, I have that from my own personal uh, family experience and I was married for a long time, I'm divorced now, and I have a like looking. My ex will probably hear this some point, but looking at this and saying, I would not right now where I vibrate, I would not attract that person. And I'm not talking about physically attracting that person, but I'm talking about 
I've made, I've, I've progressive, I've grown in my life where that person, they, we would be vibrating a different frequency that wouldn't be attractive to me, but it took a lot of work. And yes, like, you know, you said your, your worst year or, or a horrible year. Or I forgot what you, what you just mentioned, not, not the best year uh, that you had, you know, there were so many ups and downs in, in life and career where how do you, how do you kind of get up from that? And every single time that I was like at a crossroads and I knocked down and thinking, this is it, but I was homeless. I was crouching for change to just get gas in my car to go from one place to another, just so I can, there was all kinds. And, And then I had millions, you know? So from there, and every single time that I hit that obstacle, the next door that opens is a brighter door, even though it doesn't seem that way uh, today. So like even you going through your journey right now of having, you know, being punched in the face and, and I, you didn't say what it was, but like, I'm assuming it was a, you know, um, there was, there's relationships, there's all kinds of different things, job things. And then how do you recover from that? And coaching is very, very important. Like I've had a bunch of it, but also what type of coaching, like, are you having coaching to deal with your personal issues? Like, like a psychologist, some people don't understand the difference between the two. Are you having uh coaching for business? Like what is, or is it all the above? Like if somebody were to engage with you and because you had these experiences yourself, now you can say, I'm going to use these experiences to coach other people. But what is that? Is it more or less like uh business coaching where I can improve my business is a relationship coaching, or is it like, I'm going to go dig deep, figure out the obstacles that you've had and see what, what can do to overcome that? Cause you're going yeah, through it now. Yeah. There's so many different types of coaching and I've, I've hired several specialists to be on this journey with me as a coach. I believe in coaching so much. It's why I got into it. I find for me with my clients, I work with a lot of men I work with a lot of men in finance, which is not my background or specialty. And and what they love about that with me being their coach is that I have a totally fresh perspective. And none of these men, I work with very accomplished, highly successful people. They don't need help with their jobs. With athletes, they don't need, I'm not helping them, you know, do better at the free throw line or catch more touchdowns or CEOs um, come up with better strategies, for instance. It's more of these less tangible roadblocks that are getting in all of our way. Um, the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the crippling self-doubt. So many people struggle with empowered communication, having uncomfortable, difficult conversations. So many people are not comfortable with their emotions, feeling them, talking about them, unpacking them, going there, if you will. It's an epidemic. It's a crisis. So many people have not done the work. So how am I able to show up for you and really see see you and hear you and acknowledge you when I, I, I haven't been able to do that for myself? So I've helped so many people um, gain confidence. And that's what my keynote is about. And that's what I wrote my thesis on at Columbia is about is about confidence and how it is an inside job and developing that muscle. And for me personally, going through this, I had to just... Oh my gosh, it was so painful to, you know, when you're you're deeply mistreated, harassed, abused, bullied in, in some way, shape, or form, which sadly I think people have been through as children or as adults. Um, just being in a toxic, a toxic environment with a toxic mm-hmm. person. Um, and that's not to throw that term around lightly. I mean, mine was a pretty a severe case, and having to come out of that and, and see your role in it, whatever it was, and then to be willing 
to work with a professional and sit with yourself. And if you need to take some downtime or take some time off to um, really explore what the heck just happened, A, but then to make some meaning out of it. And that's when you go from, you know, the the book, it was the best of times, the worst of times to go from, this was horrific and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And having that beautiful and, and this has turned me into the person who is going to actually be able to achieve my goals and have my dream life. And it, it sounds kind of hocus pocus when it's, it almost sounds like magic, but it isn't when you've done the work because there's no magic to Tom Brady winning as many Super Bowls as he did. He put in the work, like he trained harder than anyone, not because he's the worst, but because he's the best and and did it without all the cameras and the glory and when it sucked. And, and that's kind of how I feel like I've done it. You know, people, I feel like people are going to be like, wow, or lucky her. You get a lot of the victim mentality of must be nice, but None of those people are saying it must be nice when I'm like in the hospital or I'm, you know, sobbing by myself going through this, this journey. And so I think, um, you know, as I like to say, it's like going to the gym. If you put in the work, it works. And um, I'm certainly the poster child for that. And um, for me now, just the joy that I experience in having these conversations, and it's not so much about like, I'm the best-selling author, award-winning author, I'm I'm on this TV show, or I've done this. It's, I feel... (laughs) at peace within myself, which is, that's the fame and fortune, right? Everyone's after all these externals and you get them and you're happy for 15, 20 minutes. And then it's on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. But when you are able to experience that peace and it's not because of some external um, circumstance or shiny object, that's when you you do feel untouchable because you're like, I've, I've figured out the the secret here and um, you want to tell people about it and they, they do that. Oh, that's so nice or good for mm-hmm. you. But then they, you know, <laughs> they're not really buying into it. And unfortunately they don't really buy into it until they hit rock bottom or they go through something so traumatic. Um, so I just kind of like, can we maybe do some of this before we, <laughs> we get to the rock bottom? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, so like self-confidence, first of all, like it's a two-part question. How, what do you do to work on your self-confidence? And the second thing is there's a lot of people that are, that are surrounding me. They're not my immediate like friends or family, but I come across it on a daily basis. It feels to me that people come off as self-confident, but it's not real. It seems that it's coming from a place of insecurity. So that self-confidence is bolstering their insecurity because they don't want anybody to see their real insecurity inside. So they come with a a fake level of self-confidence. I don't know. So it's sort of a two-part question is how do you recognize that? And then how do you bolster your your self-confidence? I mean, I have my five P's of of confidence and the first one is presence. And this is something that will make you a lot more confident that I rarely see. For instance, go out to dinner tonight. I don't want you to see how many people around you are truly present in the moment, smelling, looking at, enjoying their food, savoring it. Um, I go out to dinner and (laughs) I see everyone on their phones or I'm always, I'm always the person. And I, you know, I was in New York city for 12 years and it's close quarters and I'm always having these juicy conversations and I'm always sitting next to people out to eat together who are silent. I don't think they said two words the entire dinner. I'm like, is it because my conversation's so interesting? But also I'm like, do these people (laughs) even like each other? They've got, you got nothing to say to each other. Um, 
I don't know. So I think being more present and having oh, by that presence. By the way, presence, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt no, because interrupt. it's yeah. going to es- escape me. You said something so brilliant right now. There's people, I, I see the same thing. I think people love each other. They love each other, but maybe they don't like each other. And I see this all the time at, at dinner and, and they, I can see them, you know, there's love, but they don't like each other. They, and that's what I find. And, and I can see the annoyance in her face. I can read the body language. A hundred percent right on. I see this all the time. I see it all the time. And then I see it. Why? Um, especially men will almost latch on to me, if you will, because my special sauce too, and I'm so emotionally connected to myself that I'm able to connect so emotionally and deep with others. And so I see, I mean, even my first, I think back to my client, Jay, our first Zoom, it was on Zoom. It was during the pandemic. And at the end, and even though the first session, I'm kind of like, because we go deep and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, God, he looked like a deer in headlights. I'm like, does this, this guy hates it? Are we going to continue to work together? And I said, what's coming up for you right now? And he said, I've never talked about any of this stuff ever, not even with my wife. And I tell my wife everything. And we weren't talking personal stuff. It was all business. And my takeaway from that was it's because nobody's asked him and I'm a trained professional, but it's, nobody's ever asked me these questions. People haven't asked me these questions with, with depth that make you think. People normally ask you the same five questions like, oh, where are you from? What do you do? Are you married? And, okay, fine. Uh, but you ask people deeper questions and they go deeper. And so those are the kind of conversations and connections I like to have. And, and that's why I'm in this line of work. I love this conversation we're having right now. You see that I'm lit up. Um this is what I want people to do, to do more of. And some people it is uncomfortable, but I think too, that, that, that epidemic, sadly, of, of seeing the people out to eat or just seeing it every day, people, they're not connected to themselves or they've fallen into the trap of what's for dinner. Who did you take out the trash? Did you get the kids their water bottle or whatever it is? And I know life gets busy and stressful and, for me, I'm in a period right now of intentional, deliberate slowdown. And some days it's like, oh, I, I didn't like achieve much today or, but I'm like, you're achieving peace of mind. You're achieving personal transformation. You're achieving rest. And I think so many times we we're getting these upgrades and downloads and, and rewires. You have to take the time to rest and let it, you know, just like your phone, you got to charge it and let it rest for a minute and, and, and let it recharge. And so, um, this presence thing is, is really big for me. Patience is another, um, you know, huge part of confidence because we all want the thing we want and we want it right now. But if you're able to loosen your grip, to take your hands off the wheel so tightly, that thing that you want can flow to you. Um, when we grip so tight, we actually repel the person, the mm-hmm. opportunity, the career that we want. All of these things are counterintuitive. My whole book is counterintuitive. It's about stillness, not the hustle and grind. And you know, there's a saying that says you teach what you need to learn. And and this is what I needed to learn because I was in the hustle culture. And we go back, you go yeah. back to childhood. I was raised in a way that yeah, you need to achieve, you need to perform, yeah. you need to compete at the highest level. And that's how I felt that I earned um, love is yeah. that if I yeah. wasn't looking the best, performing the best, doing the best, I wasn't worthy of, of love or affection or attention. And, and in that turn, when I was the champion swimmer, I saw the kind of attention that I got. I'm like, oh, this is what you have to do so that people like you, so that you're somebody, so that you're important. And it it was great that I achieved um, a lot of um, 
great things, but at what cost? I was filled with anxiety and insecurity and and, and depression and, and doubt. And I, I see that all around in our culture. Yeah. And that's why I like to talk about these things because that is the the first step is to be like, oh gosh, I'm I'm doing that too. Um I think so many people just wake up and think, is is this as good as it gets? Yeah. And um don't know how to make it any better. It, do you feel that that conditioning from childhood about achieving greatness in some sort and, and getting love from that, do you think that translates into the relationships we continue throughout our life? Because you feel I need to perform, I need to do something, perform. And if I'm not, I'm not getting that level of, of love. Uh, like I'm trying to figure out because it's sort of my own therapy too, because I, I very similar to what you're saying. I, I, and I still, to this day, why I want my dad to say, I'm proud of you, which I don't get. Why? I don't understand why I need that because I'm proud of me, but I still need that for some reason. You need that because you're a human being, Len. <laughs> um, it's like, it really is like food and water, especially when it comes from a, a parental figure. And so I've had to shift into, it's a gift that I'm not getting that approval or validation that it's being withheld from me because then I have to give it to myself and learn to give it to myself. And what I find is that when I'm giving it to myself, I don't need it from anybody else. And then what happens then is, Everybody gives it to you. But when you're a place like, I need this person, you don't get it. And so now it's like, I don't need it from anybody. And then you find like, you're like, Len, you're amazing. Len, I love your book. Len this. So we have to, again, it's it's painful and it does not feel like a gift at all. It feels like this sucks. Or even I was at the Taylor Swift concert and I'm sitting next to this mother and daughters, the girls 12, the mother, and they're hugging the whole time. And the mother is videotaping her daughter, not even Taylor, the daughter in pure joy and ecstasy. And I was so happy. And there's a reason I sat next to them and saw that and experienced that. And I'm like, I don't have that with, with my mother. And rather than being like, woe is me and why, and why, like, why don't, why didn't I have that? Why don't I have that? I just say, well, how great that I get to experience here. If I had a child, that's what I would create. Or I create that with my niece. I create it with my yeah. friend's children, even the, all the ch- children around me. I was so nice to that girl. And like the woman's like, we, we're so lucky. We're sitting next to the best person ever. I'm like, I'm so lucky too. And so you're <laughs> able to give that to strangers. And that's yeah. what Taylor created. It just, I can't shut up about it because she created an alternate universe where every it's love, loving, kindness and and joy and it's just it's it's incredible i'm still like buzzing from it um so i think the message here is if you're not getting something that you want from someone else it is a clear sign maybe you're not giving that to yourself and that's the lesson and that's the work is to give it to yourself and then when you start doing that you got to be prepared it's hard to even say this because I know people are like, oh, it's like, you got to be prepared to let a lot of people go. You got to yeah. be prepared for a lot of people to fall out of your life. They may be relatives. They may be friends, lovers, spouses, um, and be okay with that and truly trust and believe in every cell and fiber of your body that you will attract better. You will attract people who are able to love you properly. And it's it's so scary to even say that because there's that in-between period where you're like, I'm in no man's land. I'm like, yeah. I've outgrown these people, but I don't have my new people yet. And just, you got, you got to trust. I'm kind of in that space now. And um, I'm telling you, it it, hap- it happens though. It happens, Len. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely uh, agree with you because I've gone down this road. I, I, I had a follow-up question on this because I just thought of, do you think that uh, people sort of outgrow each other? And I'm not even talking about in, in relation, personal relationships with uh, your spouse, but in business, like business partners. You, you can get into business with somebody and it's amazing and you guys connect, or, or but then over time, there's this this feeling that it's no longer the relationship that I was in before. Maybe you grew, maybe they didn't grow, vice versa, or something like that. Is, is there such a thing, especially as you work on yourself, is there such a thing that kind of outgrow each other? A hundred percent. And I think that uh, in the beginning of a business partnership, there's, it's like that person's the shiny object, or I think sadly, and I've done this, um, we make decisions out of desperation. We need the opportunity. We need the money. This is as good as it it gets right now in terms of, of what's being offered to me. And so I think we also track certain opportunities and people based on where, where we are. Um, and, and, you know, um, people that are going to force you to grow and it's, it's going to be painful, but that's why it's so important to do this work so that you're vibrating at a higher level and you attract better. Um, that's huge. But I think sometimes you, we don't always vet people, I think personally or professionally enough, and we get in and deep. And if your values are not in alignment, it may be, you may be on a shared mission, but if this person values greed and getting ahead and making money at all costs, and you value integrity and connection and authenticity, there's going to be a major headbutting, a major disconnect, and it's going to, it's going to blow up. If you stick to your morals and values, if you speak up, it's going to blow up. Um, so I think be prepared for that, but that's why, and that's what I work with my clients with, have those difficult conversations up front. make sure you're on the same page. This is love, friendship, business, um, and be okay with, mm, this could be a really great opportunity, but this one thing is, is a deal breaker and be okay with, with letting that go so that you're wide open and you make space for that really great connection. Because I think sometimes, you know, you take something out of desperation. Um, Women, you know, we can't have children forever. So it's like, okay, this is the best right now. I want to have this kid. And I see this a lot. And then it's bad. Like they have the kid that they want and they love that kid. But what they have to deal with from the person they had the kid with, to me, it's it's, it's not worth it. It's, yeah, you it's settled. torture. Yeah, you settled at a certain point. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I, I think that uh, I think that there's also expectations that you put onto the other person that are not met. And maybe that's something that comes from inside of you. And then you're creating resentment for the other person that's not meeting your own expectations that you projected onto them, maybe unfairly. And I see this in business, like from my own business career, partners. And I've had this sort of pattern over and over and over of great partnership. And then at some point it's not. And I feel like I'm carrying the load, I'm doing the work and you're not. And, it, and, it, and it's, there's a pattern. So it's got to be me that, that I have to look within myself, but I haven't really figured out. I probably need some coaching. <laughs> I'd love to work together or I, I offer that up to you, whoever um, you connect with because, and thank you for that self-realization. I mean, that's huge right there. When you have that awareness and that realization and that aha moment, aha moment it's like, okay, now what are we going to do about it? And um, I've had a lot of those, a lot of those recently. I think it's important to ask 
these difficult questions up front. I can't state that enough. And some people are thinking, oh, I could never do that. And I think having the confidence um, to be okay with people not liking us, being disappointed in us. I'm on a new trend now that I'm going to stay on forever. It's putting my well-being in, in front of everything and everyone. Yeah. And the discomfort that comes with telling people no, the discomfort of not calling people back and knowing that they're mad at you or judging you or how dare you. Um, another thing I've tried on recently, being super freaking joyful and like saying yes to the last minute trip to Hawaii, saying yeah. yes to crazy expensive Taylor Swift concert tickets and going by myself and, you know, being in this healing sound bath for hours and what that has done to me. And, and, and then what do you get from that? People that you think are your friends. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. And I know that's just a statement that people make, but when you say like right now, if you're like, I just went and saw, um, I'm trying to think of somebody, whomever, and that's my favorite artist. And I, I would never say to you, I'm so jealous to be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Because I think if that's possible for Len, then that's what's possible for me. And by me hearing about Len or seeing Len do it, I know that I can do that too. And, and when we express jealousy or feel jealousy, we're literally blocking our blessings. We're, yeah, we're, it, we're pelling it. Uh, uh, so, and I know my friend's not going to listen to this. So I can, I can talk about him freely. Don't worry about it. If you do, it's, you know, I can say it to your face. But you, just hit something so important because sometimes jealousy and this, this comes out in different ways. They're not telling you, Oh, I'm so jealous, but they're making remarks or, or creating jokes that, that are at your expense. So I have a friend, uh, you know, I, I have a girlfriend and I'm, I, you know, when we were asked to do something, I check in with her, Hey, what are our plans? Do you want to do this? So my friend recently started making these remarks about, uh, do you want to go to dinner or do you need to check with your girlfriend or do you like these kind of digs they're underhanded. And I know it's coming from a place of scarcity from him because he doesn't have, and I wish that he would, I want to send love. I want you to have that, but he's not seen it. He comes from that place. So even having that conversation, uh, I haven't had that yet, but that, that's my plan to let him know that this bothers me where it's coming from. And why is he coming from that place of trying to like dig at me from uh, pain instead of being happy for me? Hey, you, you have a great relationship. That's awesome. I, I you know hope one day you have that too. So that, that's sort of what you're what you're talking about as well. Yeah, and I think a, a great thing to say to a comment like that is. Um, so tell me what you mean by that, because listen, I have been in reactive mode, and there are certain people, you know parents, spouses, they can trigger us more than anybody. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you can just be like pissed. I've been there, but I think it's, you know, being curious, being calm and just asking what, what does you mean by that? Or something that, um, I've had a man say to me once said something was really offensive. And, um, I kind of let him know it was offensive. And he's like, Oh, it's just a joke. Yeah. Um, which again is like a narcissistic way to gaslight someone. If you're not familiar with gaslight, please look it up. Um, and you'll notice that it happens to you a lot or you even do it to yourself. But, um, and it's when someone tries to, you know, make us disbelieve our own reality and make us feel crazy and anyway, for bad behavior. But, um, I think we, you can even just say, um, that's interesting. Or, um, what do you, what do you mean by that? And make the person explain, and then maybe they'll back awful. I was like, are you, um, uncomfortable that I, you know, put my girlfriend's feelings 
like at the top of my yeah. list. What and it's like, what's that about? And I think just being curious to what the person says. Um, it's and then it's fun. And then instead yeah. of us getting so upset, it's just kind of like, and then you listen, and then I offer up to you, which I've had to do to myself, which is it's really hard. I don't want to um downplay this. And I think a lot of people are going through this where it's coming to that conclusion that you know what, this isn't my best friend anymore, or um this person is not a, a guardian of my happiness, for instance. Um, why are they my friend? Why do I want to go to dinner with this person? And sometimes it's boredom, it's history. It's like, oh, well, but whatever. Um, but I think just being more selective and mindful of how we're spending our time and with whom. Yeah, I've cut a lot of people out of my life. There, there's still some legacy leftovers. And you said it's, it's that, you know, um, history. I think. Um, what are your thoughts about, you talk a lot about meditation too. Uh, what are your thoughts about plant medicine, uh, you know, cannabis, microdosing with uh, psilocybin, all these things are, uh, people are doing, especially like in, in California, I guess. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, why do so? Why do they call like, it the California <laughs> drunk or something? People aren't drinking alcohol. They're doing um, those substances. It's, it's I, yeah. California sober. You California be, sober. Yeah, yes. you cannot drink, but you can microdose every single day and consume cannabis. It's California sober. Okay, so you see, clearly, I have uh, not partaken. I have not tried. I am a, a, a proponent um, and a spokesperson for deep healing, transformation, growth, self discovery. So if that helps you on your journey, I am all for it. Um, I may or may not try it. I think it's great to do something like that. Um, with with a professional or um, in tandem with a personal development, coaching, therapy, um, energy healing, shamanic healing, whatever else that you're into or want to try, I just think it's um, always important not to just lean on or depend on on one thing, um, and make sure that you're not numbing or suppressing. And that that's all I'll say about it because whatever anybody um, wants to do, I you know. <laughs> But uh, provided it's it's like moral and ethical, um, I I I say try it out. But I think you need to do it with doing the inner work too. But maybe that's what helps you do the inner work and go deep and go within and make it more comfortable for you. Yeah, like setting an intention, I think is really important. I think people do things just to do, as you said, numb. But if you're doing it with a purpose and setting intention, I think it makes. Uh, a lot more sense. Uh, I have some questions I ask all my uh, uh, guests, but before I do that, I want to ask you sort of a final segue question before I get in there. If, if I am a person that wants to reach out to you um, to coach or to do group sessions with you, like what am I, what kind of challenges are, are perfect? Like what is, why do I need to contact you? What are the keywords? What are the challenges that say, okay, I'm I'm contacting Kate because this is exactly where I think she can help me the most. I think being more confident in your personal life and relationships and certainly at business, I think leadership development, whether you're the CEO or an executive assistant, you want to be a better leader in that role. What does leadership even 
how do I even define it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? I do a lot of success coaching. Again, we first have to define what success is for you and then put a game plan together to get from point A to point B and then continue and maintain that success. Um, but really it's anyone who's looking to just go deeper within themselves and become a more effective, self-actualized um, human who wants to experience their full potential. You know, even the people who have achieved the greatest amounts of success on our planet are still only exercising a small uh, percentage of their full potential. So really tapping into that, but I really do meet people where they are. So we're not forcing, um, it's not like, oh my gosh, you need to be much further along. It's really, I think the connection that I establish with my clients where they feel safe, where they feel seen and heard and acknowledged and and powerful. And they Mm -hmm. get a reflection back to them that they really can be, do, have anything they want provided that they put in the work. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I think that really focuses people on several different pillars that they can or buckets they can go in and, and work with you on. Um, so I think you already answered my for part of my first question because my first question. I'm a big music uh, person. So, I, do you remember the very first concert that you ever attended? I did. And it was a good one. I went to see Tina Turner. It was at Riverbend at at, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Cindy Lauper opened for her. And it was epic. And I just remember, obviously, Tina Turner, the late, great Tina Turner, much older than than I was. um, And but I'm and I was a (laughs) competitive swimmer. And I'm like, this is like the fittest person on like, wow doing this? Uh, and then, of course, her catalog of music. But I think it, with all of my favorite artists, even more so than their songs and their and their music, is who they are as people and the energy. Again, the full spirit, the energy they bring to the room, to the stage. That it's like I don't even, I can't even understand your lyrics, but I'm ready to take over the world because of the energy that you're showing up with. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. So the, my follow was the last concert you attended. I guess it was Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift. Yeah, was how that. epic was that? Um, yeah, I, I have some a bunch of uh, my daughter's friends who uh, who went. I I ended up going to see Joe Bonamassa at the Hollywood Bowl with the LA Symphony Orchestra. Connected a little more with me, but I, I get uh, you know I've seen Taylor Swift before. So she's a great performer. Um, if you were to take five uh, albums, you can only listen to these five for one year, and it doesn't. You don't have to remember the name of the actual album. You can just be the artist, you know, like an album by like Cindy Lauper or whatever it is. Uh, what would they be? I'm just gonna do whatever comes to mind. So I'm like something by Sade, um, that just relaxes me, soothes my soul. Um, Led Zeppelin just came to mind. Uh, I, I mean, who needs to say, who needs to elaborate on Led Zeppelin? Uh, and I know I'm all over the place. I have to say Taylor, cause I'm just listening to Taylor nonstop. Cause I'm in, I'm in that bubble right now. I'm trying to think who, who else always comes up on my, <laughs> Britney Spears just came to mind for whatever reason. Now I'm just listening. Cause I'm trying to like, I just want this woman to be okay. Yeah. Um, and John Legend just came up because um, I'm ready for some some new love and romance. There you go. 
We'll, <laughs> we'll just put it into the universe. Uh, if anybody wants to a date with Kate, just read. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Reach out for coaching. We'll see. Um, all right. So bonus question. Please describe what your room looked like growing up. Oh, wow. Um, I'm just seeing, I'm seeing the beautiful view because we lived back in the woods. So all the, the trees and plants and flowers, which was um, just gorgeous and healing and soothing. Uh, it was a lot of, I had a lot of swim medals and trophies everywhere because I was a, a swimmer for 17 years. I um, had lots of pictures of my girlfriends, you know, and our proms and dresses and and that sort of thing. And um, <laughs> this is... I was such a tomboy. I just, I, you get, again, I have, I'm going back to that room um, from when I was a kid. When I was seven, um, I was a huge football fan. Of course, loved my Cincinnati Bengals, Boomer Esiason, and everybody. But even more so, I was obsessed with the Chicago Bears and Walter Payton and the Refrigerator Perry. And my um, on my closet, I had posters of Walter Payton, the fridge, and then on the other side, Eric Davis, the uh, baseball player, number 44, the center fielder for the Cincinnati Reds. So I was always been a jock, a tomboy, huge fan of sports. And so um, I was not girly. I was into (laughs) professional athlete, superhero men. (laughs) It's pretty cool. I don't know. I think that's pretty girly if you're into, uh, you know, athletic men. Uh, you, did you uh, used to do the icky shuffle too back in? The- I love the icky shuffle. <laughs> I have that that sweatshirt. Um, gosh, I was a kid from the eighties, and the icky icky shuffle that we yeah. that we did. And um, I'm still wounded from us losing the Super Bowl. We lost the day before my birthday to Joe Montana and the 49ers that last touchdown I, at the end. And it's like, I remember, I remember. Hey, I'm wounded. My, my Eagles just lost the Super Bowl for the chiefs last uh, year. Uh, you know? So, uh, you know, we're both in the same boat. Um, okay. So where can people contact you, engage with you, uh, coach with you or what are, you know, online or website or, Sure. Sure, Just head over to kateekman.tv, K-A-T-E-E-C-K-M-A-N.tv or thefullspiritworkout.com. And we can connect there and then Kate Ekman, all the social media. And I'm just, I'm so happy to be connected to you and your audience. I could talk to you forever. I think you're extraordinary. And this was just such a fun conversation and um, just shows me how important it is to ask meaningful questions and, and connect deeply with people. It's really fun. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on. And let's do a follow-up when you have your next relationship and you can talk about how you've overcome, you know, your obstacles and reached your own level of success. I would love that because I feel (laughs) him coming soon. So let's definitely do that. I'll take you up on it. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Len. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, host of Casually Baked the Podcast. If you're curious to explore the highly responsible side of cannabis, farming, and legalization, I'm here to help lighten the stigma and build your can of confidence. Download episodes now of Casually Baked the Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And journey with me through the evolving cannabis culture and discover how and why people like you are adding cannabis to their wellness toolkit. It's time to get casually baked.